Hello, this is Music Nerds Unite, returning after a bit of a layoff. This is Scott Floman, and I hope that everyone had a happy new year, and hope that everybody has a safe and more normal 2021. I think most people are glad that 2020 is over, so hopefully better things are in store for everybody in 2021. Uh, You may have noticed that I did the introduction this time and not Matt. Unfortunately, uh, my partner in crime, Matt, is unable to do the podcast, at least for the foreseeable future. We're still friends. Everything is cool. He just doesn't have time for it for now. Uh, Maybe that'll change later on down the road. In the meantime, I'm going to try to keep this podcast going, and I have some ideas about how to keep this thing fresh and interesting going forward. Uh, So to be continued on that front, uh, as for this episode, the plan is to start and finish the women's bracket in our NIT tournament and also complete the NIT tournament by running through the final four and final. You may recall that the winners of our prior brackets were the Grateful Dead for Classic Rock, Judas Priest for Hard Rock slash Heavy Metal, and Joy Division slash New Order for Alternative. This fourth bracket is the women's bracket, including bands or solo artists who are led by or prominently feature women. Uh, the seedings are as follows. Number one is Joni Mitchell. Number two is Jonas Joplin and Big Brother in the Holding Company, where she started as a lead singer. And remember, Joni and Janice both get buys for the first two rounds, uh, just like we did for the prior brackets. The number three seed is Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship. Uh, We're going to exclude the later Starship because, quite honestly, I didn't like them. Uh, But we'll focus on the prior two iterations of the band. Uh, Number four is Blondie. Number five is Heart. Number six is The Pretenders. Number seven is Lucinda Williams. Number eight is Kate Bush. Number nine is the Patti Smith Group. And number 10 is Slater Kinney. The initial matchups are as follows. Number five is Hart versus, uh, number five Hart versus number eight Kate Bush. Number three Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship versus number nine the Patti Smith Group. Number six the Pretenders versus number seven Lucinda Williams. And number four, Blondie versus number 10, Slater Kinney. Um, and looking back, the only women who were in our main NCAA tournament were Stevie Nicks and Christy McVie from Fleetwood Mac, uh, Darcy from the uh, Smashing Pumpkins, Nico and Maureen Tucker from the Velvet Underground, Tina Weymouth, uh, Tina Weymouth Muth, Mouth from uh, Talking Heads, and Patty Scalfa, if you uh, want to count her, with the East Street Band. Uh, so we're going to try to rectify that with, with this uh, bracket. And one thing that immediately stands out to me is how many great singers are in this bracket. So let's start talking about the matchups. Uh, the first one being number five, Hart, versus number eight, Kate Bush. We'll start with Hart. Uh, Hart were like a female Led Zeppelin with their, their mix of mystical folk and hard rock. The heart of the band, you see what I did there? Har Har, Hart. Uh, were the two Wilson sisters. Um, Anne was flat out one of the greatest female vocalists ever. And Nancy could play a mean guitar and also sing just fine from time to time. Uh, other important members were guitarist Roger Fisher, bassist Steve Fossen, multi-instrumentalist Howard Lease, drummer Michael DeRosier, and later Denny Carmasi, formerly of Montrose, and Mark Andes, formerly of Spirit. 
those are two seriously good and underrated bands, uh, Montrose and Spirit. So I just wanted to call them out as well. I'd say that Heart peaked early with Dreamboat Annie and Little Queen and signature classic rock songs like Crazy on You, Magic Man, and Barracuda. We've all heard those songs before, probably uh, many times over the years, uh, but they had other good albums like Dog and Butterfly, which had the hit single uh, Straight On and maybe the best ever deep track, Mistrial Wind. Uh, you should definitely check that one out. They've had some lean years as well, lots of band turnover, and, and like Aerosmith and others, they went much more commercial in the 80s, collaborating with song doctors and really slicking up their sound. Of course, albums like Heart, Bad Animals, and Brigade were highly successful, even if maybe they haven't really aged that well. You know, they're very 80s sounding with those dated 80s keyboards. Uh, though I will say that Alone w was certainly a killer ballad, uh, power ballad. Uh, that was also their MTV era where, where Nancy's cleavage was all over MTV. Uh, you know, they pretty much hit Anna away as she had gotten uh, heavy during that period. So even though she sang most of the hits, it was Nancy, uh, not Anne, who was featured on the videos. Gotta love uh, 80s sexism, or maybe not. Anyway, uh, Heart has had their ups and downs, but they ultimately have a strong legacy as, uh, as a highly influential band. I mean, there, there were a few precedents of women-led hard rock bands before them. You had maybe Fanny and the Runaways, uh, but those bands didn't have anywhere near the success that Heart did. So, you know, above all else, it's Anne's voice that makes them stand out as uh, justifiable Hall of Famers. Uh, so very good band. Um, and their competition here is the number eight seed, Kate Bush. Uh, Kate's one of those, you know, wonderful British eccentrics. Uh, she was discovered by Gabe, David Gilmore from Pink Floyd at a very young age, and she's done some great, you know, highly singular stuff with albums like The Kick Inside, The Dreaming, and her masterpiece, uh, Hounds of Love. Uh, she was highly influential on later eccentric artists such as Tori Amos and Bjork. And like Peter Gabriel, with whom she famously duetted on Don't Give Up, uh, her use of the Fairlight synthesizer was highly innovative and influential. Unfortunately, like Gabriel, after the 90s, she's mostly been MIA, though she did reappear for a pair of uh, also highly acclaimed albums with Ariel in 2005 and 50 Words for Snow in 2011. Uh, nothing since then, it's, so it's, it's been about a decade. Uh, one thing I've always found interesting is, is that Kate Bush disappeared, right, as the very similar sounding Tori Amos emerged. Uh, but I digress. Uh, anyway, some of her stuff is pretty out there. Um, she called the Dreaming Her quote-unquote mad album for a reason. Um, but she's quite an original, and I really like some of her stuff. Uh, songs like The Man with the Child in Her Eyes, Wuthering Heights. Um, and for that one, I especially like the 1986 remake, which, which has an improved vocal and a, a far more epic guitar solo. Uh, the great songs were Cloud Bursting, uh, Cloud Busting, I'm sorry, Hounds of Love, Running Up That Hill. Um, ultimately, though, sh she's had number one albums in the UK and the US. You know, she was more of a cult artist, and she didn't have quite the same overall impact as Hart. Uh, that plus Anne's amazing vocals uh, give Hart the slight nod here.
Okay, on to our next matchup. Uh, number three, Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship. Again, but not Starship versus number nine, the Patty Smith Group. I'll start with the Jeffersons. Whew, these guys and gal had, had a very long and varied career. Uh, first is Jefferson Airplane, who were one of the definitive San Francisco psychedelic bands of the late 60s. Uh, of course, they're best remembered for the two classic 1967 Summer of Love singles, Somebody to Love and White Rabbit, uh, the latter of which was in our greatest song of the 60s tournament. Uh, but they had plenty of other good stuff on albums such as Serialistic Pillow, uh, the extremely psychedelic After Bathing at Baxter's, Crown of Creation, and, and maybe my favorite of the bunch of volunteers. They had multiple excellent lead singers in Marty Ballard, who tended to sing the mellower stuff, Grace Slick, who, who was an absolute powerhouse and who chimed in with great backing vocals even when she wasn't singing lead, and Paul Kantner, who was also a key songwriter. Uh, Spencer Dryden was on drums, and the best musicians in the band were bassist Jack Cassidy and guitarist uh, Jorma Kalkinen. Uh, as a, a quintessential 60s band, they, they were less relevant as the 70s emerged, and uh, Cassidy and Kalkinen left to form the more blues-slash-boogie-based uh, Hot Tuna. Uh, eventually, Jefferson's Starship emerged, first with an interesting Paul Kantner solo album called Blows Against the Empire, then with the strong Dragonfly in 1974, which had a minor radio track, if not an actual hit, with Ride the Tiger. The main new additions to the band were Craig Chakiko. Chakiko, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, he, anyway, he was an excellent and very underrated guitarist. And the, the much older electric violinist, Papa John Creech, who, who added a uniqueness to the band's output. Uh, this new Jefferson hit their peak with the number one U.S. album Red Octopus and the Balansung Soft Rock Ballad Miracles, uh, which was a huge hit. Subsequent albums followed. Uh, Spitfire had another top ten soft rock bow with, with Your Love and the excellent almost prog-like rocker St. Charles, but uh, the band really hit another peak when, when singer Mickey Thomas joined the band. Um, you may remember him from Elvin Bishop's Fooled Around and Fell in Love. Anyway, they went into a more hard rock direction on albums like Freedom of Point Zero with the song Jane and Modern Times with great songs like Find Your Way Back, Stranger, and Save Your Love. Uh, check out uh, Chakiko, Chakiko, I can't say that name for some reason. Anyway, check this <laughs> extended guitar solo on that. And uh, excellent drummer Ansley Dunbar, who I mentioned when we talked about Journey, was also in the band at this point. So a very strong lineup. Um, they continued with the much more pop Starship, who I don't like nearly as much as I mentioned. Uh, heck, I don't like them at all. Um, I mean, We Built This City in particular is almost legendary in its terribleness. Uh, so we're going to ignore that incarnation of the band for the two I really like. Um, on to Patti Smith. Uh, Patti Smith was a, another CBGB graduate who is known as the Punk Poetess for the way she merged memorably, memorably poetic lyrics with Garage Rock. Uh, the original Patti Smith group consisted of former rock critic Lenny Kay on guitar, bassist Yvonne Kral, drummer J.D. Dougherty, and keyboardist Richard Saul. And the key to her legacy is the four albums she recorded in the late 70s, in particular her debut album Horses in 1975, which I think is one of the greatest albums ever. 
this is one of those lightning in a bottle type of albums like an Astral Weeks or a Pet Sounds or an OK Computer where you know no matter what she does, she'll never top it. Right from the get-go, there's her drastic reworking of them's glory and the instantly legendary line, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. If that's not the greatest opening line in rock history, it's certainly up there. Elsewhere, you had the catchy reggae-ish Redondo Beach, the hard-rocking free money, and free-flowing epics like Birdland and the multi-part title track. Both of these latter songs are, are very unpunk-like, over nine minutes long. As for their her, as for all her association with punk, she had more in common with Bob Dylan than the Ramones. In all honesty, uh, I also want to mention her singing, which may not be pretty, but man, is it intense! I, I think she's a great singer. Also, her look alone was influential. She wasn't classically feminine and almost blurred the lines between femininity and masculinity, if that makes any sense. Um, I think you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, back to the music. She's done other good albums, the harder rockin' but less consistent Radio Ethiopia, the very good Easter in 78, which had her lone actual radio hit with a rendition of Bruce Springsteen's Because the Night. And the Todd Rundgren produced Wave, after which she went on hiatus to start a family with the NC5's Fred Sonic Smith. Uh, she's had two comebacks since, a brief one in 1988 and then a fully-fledged one after Fred died in 1994. She's released some strong albums since then, like Gone Again in 96 and Banga in 2012. And she's also a fiery live performer who's always had a good band behind her. Uh, simply put, uh, Patti Smith is a New York City legend, uh, but I still think when all is said and done, Grace and the two Jeffersons accomplished more overall. So Jefferson Starship, uh, Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship are, are going to advance here. Uh, the next matchup is number six, The Pretenders versus number seven, Lucinda Williams. Uh, we'll start with Lucinda. You know, her first two albums were, weren't that great. Uh, and, and then I think she had an eight-year break, uh, between them until her, her self-titled album uh, in 1988, and that was the first of many great albums. Uh, she always led great bands. Uh, in particular, the, the, her albums always featured great guitar playing. Uh, she, you know, she's always had accomplished foils like Gerf Morlicks, Doug Pettibone, Val McCallum, Greg Leese, uh, great players. Um, you know, her, her lyrics, uh, you know, mostly focus on sad relationships uh that was, that was her theme for the most part there's usually some guy she's taking the task for wronging her uh, but her lyrics are very poetic uh her father was actually a well-known award-winning poet um i'm forgetting his name now but last name williams i'm assuming <laughs> anyway she she was also a very affecting singer very emotional uh, Although at times her voice, you know, had a, a little bit of an overly affected drawl to country. You know how, like, Eddie Vedder can be annoying when he when he mumbles. Uh, you know, Lucinda can be a little annoying with, with that overly affected drawl. But like Eddie, she's a phenomenal singer overall. Anyway, um, stylistically, she combined country, folk, blues, and rock and did it all really well. Um, Carl Wheels on a gravel road, I'd say, in 1998. Eight, I believe, was her peak and, and probably the best starting point. Um, but really, she's one of the finest singer-songwriters ever, male or female. So almost anything she's done is worth checking out. 
uh, the pretenders. Uh, you have to talk about Chrissy Hine, you know, also a former rock critic like Yola Tango's Ira Kaplan from the last episode. You know, she was the band's main songwriter. She's a great singer. And early on, you had uh, guitarist James Honeyman Scott, who was really good. Uh, Pete Farnden on bass. Martin Chambers was a top-notch drummer. Unfortunately, uh, Honeyman Scott and Farnden uh, died early on, I believe, after the second album. But, uh, you know, you had guys like Robbie McIntosh and Billy Bremner uh, also did some really good stuff taking over for Honeyman Scott. So credit is due there as well. Um, they, pe- they peaked on the first three albums, in particular one, the debut, the self-titled, and number three, uh, Learn to Crawl. You know, subsequent albums typically had their moments as well, uh, but, you know, the overall they just weren't as good. Uh, you know, I, I consider the Pretenders a straight-up rock band. I mean, definitely influenced by punk, or at least the attitude of punk, you know, but also the old-school classic rockers with, you know, that birdsy guitar jangle that would appear at times. Uh, you know, key songs included the, the sassy Brass and Pocket, the, the touching and gorgeous Kid, Mystery Achievement with that throbbing bass line, great stuff. Uh, the great cover of The King, Stop Your Sobbing. And, of course, she had a relationship with Ray Davies and, and even had a child with him. Uh, back to the music, you had Talk of the Town, Message of Love, Back on the Chain Gang, Middle of the Road, 2,000 Miles, one of the great Christmas songs. Don't Get Me Wrong with its shimmering guitars and the later ballad, I'll Stand By You. Uh, so, again, uh, they're in the Hall of Fame. They deserve to be, but... When it's all said and done, when you, when you when you stack up the catalogs, uh, Lucinda Williams has uh, definitely has more great stuff, and, and overall, is uh, it just has a more impressive overall body of work. So, with all due props to the Pretenders, Lucinda Williams is is going to move on. Um, now we have another matchup, another interesting one: number four Blondie uh, versus number ten Slater Kinney. Uh, we'll start with Blondie. You know, they started out with uh, started out as CBGB's least likely to succeed band, but uh, became the most commercially successful CBGB band of them all. Um, earlier albums were very new wave and were were heavy on, you know, the thrift shop keyboard sound. Uh, but there was also the influence of punk and even more so, girl group pop. I'd say 1979's Parallel Lines was their peak. You know, it had that iconic album cover, too, and great songs like, you know, the cover of the nerds hanging on the telephone, One Way or Another, and Heart of Glass, of course. Uh, so Rod Stewart and Kiss, now that's how you go disco. Uh, Eat to the Beat was pretty great as well, and throughout the years, they've, they've had a lot of really good singles, even when maybe the albums weren't so great. Um, they also had a surprisingly successful comeback starting in the late 90s, including their, their number one UK hit, Maria, in 1999. You know, so Blondie was, was an impressive and important band. They, they were innovative. They were early, you know, disco, reggae, rap. Not many rock bands were, were, were dipping their toes into those genres. You know, Debbie Harry was, was a pinup, you know, and she was very charismatic. Uh, she was also a, a great singer, you know, again, just a great front woman. Uh, and, and I want to mention Clem Burke, their drummer. I think he's a phenomenal drummer. He's, he's really underrated. Um, so really good, uh, really good band. Uh, unfortunately, you know, they had some drama at their Hall of Fame in, induction ceremony. I don't know if you've ever seen that online, but, 
if you want to feel uncomfortable, check that out. Um, anyway, you know, they had the, the, the final roll call, you know, beyond all the albums and everything, is they had four number one U.S. hits, six number one U.K. hits. So uh, they definitely left their mark. Um, as for Slater Kinney, you know, Slater Kinney, wow. I'd say simply put, Slater Kinney are the greatest all-female band ever. Uh, you know, even though they're number 10 seed, uh, you know, I consider them one of the greatest bands of the past 25 years. Uh, you know, keeping in mind that they took about a 10-year break from around 2005 to 2015. Uh, you know, they're simply one of the best punk alternative rock bands ever, in my opinion. I mean, almost all their albums are great. You know, not just good, great. They had an incredible intensity. Interesting feminist, political, pro-gay lyrics, and the songs can be probably catchy as well. A lead singer, Corin Tucker, has an incredibly powerful voice. And Carrie Brownstein also sings, and they have fantastic harmonies and, uh, and or traded off vocals. Uh, you know, Tucker's voice is a bit shrill and, and maybe not for everyone, but, but I personally love her voice, and Brownstein's voice may be uh, more palatable for those who, who maybe want to hear Tucker in uh, limited dosages. You know, also Brownstein is a great guitar player, and, and Janice Weiss is simply one of the best drummers of the modern era. Uh, I can't, you know, recommend this band highly enough, uh, with the caveat being that the first and last albums were less impressive, and, and Weiss recently left the band, so, so maybe it's time they call it a day. Regardless, their their legacy is secure. Um, they may be the best band in this bracket. Their only downfall is that they're essentially a cult band whose reach doesn't go nearly as far as some of the competition, and their sound can be abrasive at times. You know, as can Tucker's vocals. So, so they might not have the universal appeal of some of the other bands here. Um, that said, there's no question in my mind that they're they're a better band than Blondie. So they're at least going another round. And we'll see what happens from there. So, on to the next round. We have number five, Hart, versus number seven, Lucinda Williams. And number three, Jefferson Airplane, slash Jefferson Starship, versus number nine, Slater Kinney. Um, I'm going to, regarding Hart versus Lucinda, I'm going to keep this short, because I spoke about them both in detail. Uh, I think if you heard what I said previously, you're not going to be surprised that Lucinda Williams is going to move on. Simply put, again, if you stack the catalogs side by side, Lucinda Williams has more great albums, more great songs, and and she can even hold her own with Anne as a vocalist uh, in, in her own way. And certainly not the, the raw power, but as far as in the raw emotion, she's, she's, she's right up there as well. So Lucinda Williams moves on, and then Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship versus Slater Kinney. As much as I love Slater Kinney, uh, I'm going to have to go with the Jeffersons just because of of the more variety and, and the, the, you know, the, the long longevity and, and how they, you know, span different eras and the commercial success they had, which was far beyond Slater Kinney. Uh, so although maybe deep down I think Slater Kinney is the better band, it, it feels like uh, the Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship is the right choice to move on here. So now we're into the final four, and the first matchup of that one is Joni Mitchell versus, who's the number one seed, versus Lucinda Williams, who's the number seven seed. So Joni Mitchell is, is one of the great singer-songwriters and one of the greatest Canadian artists ever, right up there with Neil Young, Rush, 
and and the band if you include them since you know they had an american in the band as well um you know but they were a fourth fifth canadian um she started more as an acoustic folk artist and and really hit her stride with with blue in i think 71 which along with tapestry uh is probably the confessional female singer songwriter album uh, this is an album I've grown to like more and more over the years. It, it's not easy listen, listening as, you know, from an emotional standpoint, it's, it's quite heavy. Uh, and it's definitely aimed at adults, but but it's an album that sticks with you. Uh, her acknowledged peak was the five albums from Blue in 1971 through Hijira in 1976. Uh, she hooked up with Tom Scott's LA Express and went in a more jazzy direction. Uh, probably hitting an accessible peak on Court and Spark in 1974, uh, which is probably my favorite album by her. The Hissing of Summer Lawns, uh, I think 75, with, with that great album cover, uh, was reportedly Prince's favorite album, and Hijira was another great album with, uh, with major contributions from, from legendary bassist Jaco Pistorius. Uh, I don't want to dismiss the rest of her career as... You know, albums like Don Juan's Reckless Daughter and Mingus, uh, her collaboration with jazz great Charles Mingus, uh, were very ambitious and at least partially successful. And, and she did other solid albums later on, like Night Ride Home and, and Turbulent Indigo. Plus, some of her early albums are notable, like Ladies of the Canyon. But the, to me, her legacy is primarily those five early to mid-70s albums. Uh, she's also highly regarded as a unique guitarist who plays around with different tunings, and she had a distinctive high-pitched voice, though in later years her voice got much deeper due to years of smoking, and, and I personally find her leader voice less appealing, a la Bob Dylan. So Joni's great, um, but so is Lucinda. Uh, and personally, I just I like Lucinda better. I think, again, that consistency that she has was just remarkable. I think more consistent than Joni. And I think her peaks can compare to Joni's as well. So I'm going to go with the upset here. Lucinda Williams is going to beat Joni Mitchell. Uh, they'll both are great, and, and I highly recommend both of them. Uh, as far as the next matchup, we have number three Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship versus number two uh, Janis Joplin and Jan a big brother in the, in the holding company, uh, her first band. So these are definitely... Uh, Big-time West Coast, late 60s artists. Uh, that's where these got started anyway. Uh, we'll talk about Janice. Uh, you know, we mentioned in, in a prior episode how Lemmy, um, you know, how few lived rock and roll like Lemmy, and, and Bon Scott was another one. And, and the same can, can certainly be said of Janice. Uh, her raspy voice was so unique. Uh, she was such a force of nature. Uh, she exuded such a raw vulnerability. I mean, she was she was a one of a kind, like Jimmy, who, who I tend to think of together, you know, with her, since they were both so singular. You know, were both from the same era and and both died so tragically young. Uh, she had two great albums. Uh, the first one was was with Big Brother and the Holding Company, Cheap Thrills, which also featured guitarist Sam Andrews and James Gurley. You know, they had that Lights Out performance at the Monterey Pop Festival. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, this, you know, as far as songs, he had Peace of My Heart, which was originally recorded by Aretha Franklin's sister, Irma Franklin. A uh, great cover of Gershwin's Summertime. And the monumental Ball and Chain, which uh, originally was done by Big Mama Thornton. 
Uh, also great was combination of the two, even though Janice only sang backing on that one. Uh, unfortunately, she left the you know Big Brother. I felt uh, they were kind of her best backing band, even though they kind of had an amateurish sound. That that rawness kind of fit her really well. Uh, so she uh, she was next backed by the Full Tilt Boogie Band on the poorly titled but pretty good album. I got them old cosmic blues again, Mama. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a good album. Not a great album. Uh, notable also for some good uncredited guitar by uh, Michael Bloomfeld. Uh, but anyway, uh, the posthumously released Pearl uh, was was much better actually, and and rivaled Cheap Thrills as her best album. Uh, it had the A Capella Mercedes Benz and her number one cover of. Uh, Chris Christopherson's Me and Bobby McGee. Um, the Full Tilt Boogie Band, I think, was, was the backing band on that one. Uh, and, you know, the album isn't without its flaws. Um, for example, Buried Alive in the Blues is instrumental because she died because she could add her lead vocals. But overall, it's still a great album. Uh, though, again, I do miss and slightly prefer the raw, sloppy, hard-rocking intensity of Big Brother. Uh, you know, Janice could do hard rock, blues, and, and also show tunes, you know, belting out songs like Cry Baby or A Woman Left Lonely. You know, also folk and soul with, with great songs like Get It While You Can and a cover of Bobby Womack's Trust Me, uh, a real personal favorite. Um, all those songs were, were from Pearl, by the way. Um, in, in some ways, Janice's legend uh, eclipses her actual recorded output. Uh, you have some great live clips, two great albums, and selected other quality songs. Um, you know, but there should have been been much more. But you know, she was still a fantastic, one of a kind original. So uh, she's going to win this uh, bracket, uh, this matchup, I should say, against Jefferson Airplane slash Jefferson Starship, who again I, I really like as well. So the final of this bracket is Janice versus Lucinda. And I'm going to surprise some people, I would think, some people who, who maybe don't know Lucinda Williams and uh, really should check her out. But Lucinda Williams is going to be Janis Joplin because you're talking about, like I said, two great albums and select other good stuff and great live performances with someone who's been doing it for decades at an incredibly high level. Has had amazing albums, great backing bands, great songs, great singer great 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 she's just great and uh she's gonna move on so the final four now is the grateful dead versus judas priest and joy division new order versus lucinda williams and uh the grateful dead are gonna beat judas priest just because they're you know they had that uh, overall reach judas priest is was legendary but within the realm of metal Whereas Grateful Dead reached far beyond, uh, you know, just a niche thing. They were a niche thing, but their niche thing was so enormous, and they influenced so many, and they, their catalog was so vast. With especially when you consider all the live stuff that they they now have. If you look at Spotify, there's like a bazillion live albums, and, and a lot of it's really good. Um, so I'm going to go with the Grateful Dead there, uh, although Priest is, is certainly legendary and uh, among the all-time great hard rock slash metal bands for sure. Um, we're going to go with Joy Division slash New Order over Lucinda Williams. Again, incredibly influential, far more so than Lucinda. 
They had that impeccable catalog. Joy Division, flawless almost, and uh, New Order, excellent as well. Uh, so they're going to go forward. I'm sorry I'm rushing through this uh, this last part of it, but uh, you know I've kind of talked these bands to death already, most of them. So uh, the final, anyway, we're going to do Joy Division slash New Order versus Grateful Dead. Drum roll, please. Well, that was pretty bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, the winner of the NIT is going to be Joy Division slash New Order. Uh, just because they have a lot of great stuff, very influential, maybe not as influential, but extremely influential. You know, you listen to The Cure, you listen to The Smiths, those bands don't exist without Joy Division. New Order was also incredibly influential, and just their catalog is more impeccable. It's much smaller, maybe that helps in this case, um, because The Grateful Dead have, you know, a lot of great stuff, but a lot of not-so-great stuff also. Uh, so they're going to win. Joy Division slash New Order is our NIT winner. Um, cut down the nets, guys. And Gal, Gillian, uh, well done. Uh, anyway, that's our NIT. Again, we have some some other stuff coming ahead that I'm not going to reel too much about because it's still being formulated. Uh, but it's good talking to you all again. I'm glad to be back and hope to see you all soon again. Bye-bye. <laughs>